You are listening to the Gen Zen Broadcasting System. You know what time it is. It's time. Silicon Steve Valley Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I've done it. I've created my own show, my own podcast, my own YouTube channel. We are just getting started. Episode number one. And you're going to learn more and more about the values and what Silicon Steve Valley brings to the table, what I want to do. Basically, the long story short, I want to help educate people. I want to help grow myself and the audience as well. And I don't mean bigger numbers. I mean, how are we going to become better people and move this world forward? And we're going to talk about medical marijuana. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency. And we're going to talk about politics in a way that is not the norm. I'm not talking about Donald Trump or Joe Biden ever, unless they are vaguely a part of what I'm talking about. We have a lot bigger fish to fry than those two guys and this silly little argument between Republicans and Democrats. We're going to talk about the real big issues, cut through the core, all the bullshit and the mud that blocks us from getting to that next level consciousness and folks we're going to do it by instituting five values in everything we do from here on out right now my pledge to you and the audience and i want the same back let's challenge ourselves to work every day we have with five values honesty hard work kindness gratitude and love those are the five values we're going to keep on pushing here and we're going to try to have some fun and some comedic ends of it too And the scenario is we're going to bring in people who have had a great, loving impact on the world and some people who have been inspiring. That's what the show is going to be about. But we're also going to have some fun. We're going to have some comedy. And every day I'm going to play us off with either an original or a cover that I'm feeling at the moment here on the Silicon Steve Valley show. Here on the Silicon Steve Valley show as we are just getting started. Here, this is SSV. So now, without any further ado, we want to bring you to the beautiful, talented, powerful queen in the cannabis industry, the medical marijuana mama. I give you Miss Hillary Clarkson. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with the beautiful, talented, trailblazing Hillary Clarkson. And if you don't know, Hillary Clarkson is owner-operator of, now it's called Old School Farms? Yes. Ah, I see. I did my research. Old School Farms. She's also has, has been an advocate for marijuana for decades, not years, not months, decades. And she's as beautiful inside as she is outside. And she's also helping people using the amazing plant that is the cannabis plant that has been gifted to us from the universe or God, any way you want to look at it. And she's been trying to send a lot of truth this way. And we're going to go into her journey through the world of cannabis, her entire journey going from California, um, selling, growing, curating, running an entire business now. Ladies and gentlemen, Hillary Clarkson. Thank you so much, Hillary. What's going on? So, start what you're doing now. Tell me about Old School Farms, how it came to be, and then we're gonna get you exactly how it all comes to pass. Well, we live in Southern Maine. And we've been here now. That was our fourth growing season. And we love it. There's amazing soil and water here. So we've been just growing organic cannabis and making medicine like this kind of stuff. Fico, gummies, flour, salve, all sorts of stuff. So that's what we do all day. And... We grow it ourselves and we use high THC cannabis and really good 
soils and nutrients and make the best medicine we possibly can so that we can make the best treatments for people and ourselves. Well, just so we know, you, you can, and if you are living in Maine, and how could someone get some of your product if they're trying to do that? Look at, let's take a look at that. Put that to the camera. Look at that. Mm-hmm. What kind of marijuana we got right there? What kind of cannabis is that? Well, this barely trimmed piece of mimosa. Um, I'm just trimming it down. I would take it off the um, stem because the stem's really heavy. I live in Maine, so really my cannabis we use to make medicine. I'm our salves and stuff we share with a lot of people but i'm not really a big marketer i'm more of i donate all over the country to whoever needs it that's more of what we're doing than um selling weed in maine because that's what everybody's doing they don't need me i don't even know anybody here like i'm a stranger i go places and it's bizarre because there's tons of deadheads and i just don't even know any of them and i just Zip it and stay home. <laughs> and if those of you who don't know, Hillary does know a little bit about the Grateful Dead, which, as you know, we're going to talk a lot about the Silicon Steve Valley. We're going to talk a lot about music as well. So nice little interconnection between marijuana and the Grateful Dead. So you're also helping people out with cancer. And we're going to go and take a deep dive in that in a little bit later. But a little quick little uh, synopsis of what you're doing to help people with cancer. Well, what we're doing is we donate the FICO, the full extract cannabis oil that we grow the cannabis. And then my partner, Brett, makes the medicine. He uses organic extractahol. So we do from seed to medicine. We take immaculate care of it. And then we donate it to people that have issues with a lot of things, not just cancer, cancer, ALS, MS, Parkinson's, arthritis, colitis, a lot of sleep issues, um, which we're having the best solving with these little gummies. If you look, there are these little things. These We haven't found anyone that it doesn't put them to sleep or kill their migraine. So we're literally treating things like MS, migraines with candy. But it's organic, GMO-free, but it's still compared to the damaging of the pharmaceuticals. We're trying to be the first thing you check. If you get a diagnosis, we would rather you call us and try using organic cannabis for your issues than go on all these pharmaceuticals, damage all your organs, be a mess and pale and come to us like with your kidneys failing, liver failing, and it's just a nightmare. So I guess what I want is for everybody that gets a diagnosis like that to start using a little bit of cannabis from the get-go. And we're not against other people's medicine. We are not doctors. We are not trained in, I don't know, any of that, okay? So I am not trying to be, uh, use this, don't do that, this is wrong. I'm not even someone to judge what is right and wrong in the medical field. I'm a farmer who takes immaculate care of her cannabis and has somebody with a degree that's very smart make the medicine. I don't make the medicine myself, um, you know? And so that's just something that I really want people to understand that we're not over here being like, use our medicine and you will be cured. That's not what we're saying. We're saying like, you're probably going to have to get a lot of like very dangerous, damaging treatment. So if you take the cannabis alongside it, it can not only help your outcome, but it also 
helps protect your organs while you're going through things like that. So we want to really push that as much as possible more than be like, we're not extremists. You know, my grandma, Sylvia Silverberg, was the head nurse at Mount Sinai for 30 years. And she was a nurse there before antibiotics and vaccines. And growing up, I learned a lot from her. She was my closest like relative. This is actually her bracelet. I wear it all the time. And she taught me that antibiotics and vaccines have saved more lives than anything she ever saw. The hospital before vaccines and antibiotics, working in the hospitals, watching people die, to what once they had antibiotics in the hospital, she said it was the biggest night and day, probably like we see the microwave or the computer. Like computers came out when I was in fourth grade, you know? So she also taught me... Um, a little bit of everything is the way to go. Not too much of anything. Don't be extreme. Don't get obsessed with, I have an aunt that goes on and off. I'm off coffee. I'm on wine. I'm off wine. It's like, just, you know, keep your life solid. Have a little of everything. Not everything. I mean, I'm from New York. Don't smoke crack. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? So I'm learning through her not to judge others and their choices just let's just add cannabis that's my idea (laughs) and and it's so right and we're just learning this stuff that we weren't really even necessarily aware of say 20 25 years ago we didn't know that the endocannabinoid system is was even a thing we didn't know that the cannabinoids attached to the 96 i got my medical card as a caregiver how many years ago is that So I knew my best friend in 1995, December 19th of 1995, she got diagnosed with third stage colon cancer and uh, her family never showed up. Her husband took a job on the road and I took her to 52 chemotherapy treatments and eight weeks of radiation. And I was able to, from the first day that there was caregivers in the state of California, I got a card due to that. And we knew and we made cannabis brownies and we would bring them in. And it's since then that I have just smoked weed wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I carry it with me wherever I want. Um, Ever since that experience with the cancer and getting my caregiver card, I've always just kind of felt like, stop me. That's how I feel. Have fun with your bad self. This is my job. And that's why we'll go back to how this all started for me and how um, I ended up right here was when I was in second grade. My parents, I come from a rich family, private school, horses type of thing, okay? My parents put me on Ritalin, which is an amphetamine, which actually delays emotional growth. They put me on it from a young age. I want to say second grade. They want to say fourth to fifth, whatever. Our memories are different. But from a very young age, like pre-puberty, through till I went to college and turned 18, I was fed Ritalin, which is like, it isn't even like an amphetamine. It's an amphetamine. Anyway. I got to boarding school in ninth grade. I had never seen wheat. I had only smelled it in movie theaters in New York City. Okay. From New York. So I get to ninth grade. My first day at ninth grade, the prettiest girl I've ever seen. I'm still friends with her. Her name's Phoebe Belcher. She 
came from the Santa Cruz Mountains to Massachusetts to Stonely Burnham Boarding School, where we all rode horses. I mean, bizarre stuff, okay? Rich people stuff. So she comes and she said, look what my nanny packed me. And she opened a record thing and she had buds, like way bigger than the ones that I have sitting here, like the size of my arm. Santa Cruz Mountain Weed. And she showed me cannabis and I smoked it and nothing happened. And then I smoked it again and nothing happened. But then the third time it worked and I went and rode my horse named Itchy and got like and was like giggling and having the best time because I'm horseback riding with all these bizarre life I've had. Seriously. So wait, wait, the first time you got stoned was riding a horse. Was I got stoned and went and rode, rode my horse. Yes, because our barn was at our school. It How many people can say that? And so, yeah, that it finally worked. I didn't think it worked. I believe that I didn't smoke pot, that it didn't get me stoned. It didn't work for me because I kept smoking it and nothing would happen. Anyway, she had a bathroom in her room that was in between the two rooms and we would just put towels down open a window and spray anise, anise, this like perfume. And we smoked a ton of weed. So she had all the weed. I didn't have any weed. I mean, and I was just like, oh. So I got a pass to walk to town to go to the CVS. This is my first week at boarding school. I'm 14 years old. Okay, fresh out of New York City, Westchester County, that tri-state area i go and i hang out at the drugstore until i see i kid you not a red-headed guy with his name ended up being rusty with like a red with a mullet a jean jacket and jeans and i go up to him and i'm like i need to get weed like i have no weed weed around here because where i'm from even though i didn't smoke i was they sell it on 94th street at the time you could go buy nickel bags. Anybody that wanted weed, you just go to the benches on 94th Street. It was not a big deal in New York. But there I am in Massachusetts making friends with the townies, who then I convinced to get a job and he applied and got a job being a, a working in the barn. Anyway. How is that culture shock? Well, let's talk, let's talk about that for one quick second. How is that culture shock? You, you are, and by the way, I've, I've been friends with, with you for, uh, you know, over a decade. And you have you are a city girl. You talk fast. You think fast. You think big. How is that adjustment? How do you adjust to common folks? I was fourteen, was 14 dude. To put it this way, I within my first week of smoking weed, I bought an ounce with the girls' money in my. I met these kids, told them what I needed, made friends with them. We had a payphone on our hallway. I would like we call them. They'd call me. And I started buying ounces, and but it was with their money, so I got free weed from the first time I ever smoked pot. I, it didn't click with me that something that you could grow. My mom and her best friend Vera had a huge garden every year, and I just know how the earth just grows things, and that was a lot of money. Cannabis is expensive, like. I want to get my nails done. I want to buy new carpet. I don't want to buy something I can grow like for free. That to me was bizarre. So I never did. I just from ninth grade, the first time I smoked, just got stoned, went to CVS, met a boy, got weed, sold it to my friends, 
that was it. That was the beginning. And then before you knew it, I took a Greyhound bus to California at 18, just four years later to go to Grateful Dead shows and moved to Santa Cruz, sold weed. My husband sold weed. We put our kids through private school. That's all we ever did. But he built himself up in the music industry through selling weed backstage. And now he's the head of SFX North America or some big job. He puts on the biggest festivals in the whole world. Like he tour managed Fish, he tour managed The Dead, Mickey Hart, Hydra, Particle, he runs Bonnaroo, Coachella. Like he's hysterical. Not that he likes me because I was highly immature. Let's go back to my parents feeding me Ritalin. You know, if you feed your child amphetamines through their whole development, it does stunt their growth. I almost feel like I'm just becoming adult at 50. I wonder why. Do you feel that way too? That's what I was just going to say. The pandemic hit and I feel like, okay, whoa, whoa. I woke up and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm 43 at the time, 42 at the time. And I'm like, okay, it's time to be an adult. Fuck, the 20s were fun. We just decided to have it last a lot longer than 10 years. Oh, I don't know if that was that fun for me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am so great. Good with the bad. Yeah, it was a good with the bad. We were able to, both of us, I think, we have a lot of similarities. And one of them is we try to take as much out of this life as we can because we know we only go around once, at least with this form. So, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. And now we have this wisdom behind us. And a lot of people that listen to our show or feel this way. We have this wisdom behind us. It's like, but a part of me also, I kind of miss that train wreck vibe but i definitely don't want to ever go there oh well i still see a lot of train wrecks <laughs> i just don't want to be a train wreck myself you know what i mean which i've you've personally seen me a train wreck mode several times moving to maine was a good call for me it just ended up so i mean i'm devastated that california lost and that the corporate takeover of cannabis happened and our whole community and the legacy farmers was destroyed and it's devastating i don't even well, want to think about it. well you're going to have to because i'm going to ask you about that to explain to everybody who's not familiar explain what happened in california in terms of the legalities and as you call it the corporate takeover what happened exactly in california well what happened was i'll just go back to the 90s in the 90s, the, we had something called CAMP, Campaign Against Marijuana Production. And they flew around in helicopters and cut down everybody's weed. And it would took people's property. And it was a total nightmare. In 19, January of 1996, California was the first state to become medical cannabis. So we were, you know, trailblazers. I got a card the first day. It was a big deal. And a whole community that had been illegal was now legal. And uh, the entire California, Washington and Oregon eventually, but California originally built this huge industry of organic and soil and taking care of the earth and growing the best medicine. And we built a whole um lifestyle and generations of children were raised and many doctors were made and many changes have happened. And, you know, we have Harvard studies and all sorts of proof now, but at that time we didn't. Okay. But we knew we were doing it. We were seeing what our cannabis medicine was doing to our people that we loved that had cancer. So that's where it all started. 
And Prop 215 is the medical cannabis, and that started in 1996. Um, five years ago, Prop 216, the corporate entities came together and they created an initiative, Prop 64. They backed it with a huge amount of money, confusing funding, and people didn't understand what was going on. I understood, but the majority of people in California, you say recreational cannabis, legal weed, right? It was recreational cannabis, legal weed, from the dispensaries and the government. It was like, it destroyed all of the legacy farmers, all the farmers, everyone that built all that, everybody had just, it was a horrific. So we fought it, but it won. And so the corporate takeover of cannabis happened five years ago. And so literally, I harvested in October. There was a huge fire called the Bear Fire that we were trapped in. I'll send you a video of that. And then we, a month later, I packed up all my stuff and I moved to Maine. And I've been growing here ever since, loving the soil, loving the laws, loving the community, loving the water, loving everything about it except for the fact that I was chased out of my Redwood Forest home, living my dream life in the Santa Cruz mountains. And I was chased out by the corporate takeover of cannabis. So I can love it here, but I, I would rather be home in my yurt. We had, we had bought seven acres. We built a yurt. We had a business servicing all the organic farms. And it was cool because I learned so much because we had our own farm, but then we would service all these other farms and I'd have to, it was a service company. So I'd have to use their equipment, their nutrients, their ways. And my guys would just do the work and I would, you know, run it. So I got so much experience. You know, I, we loved what we were doing. We were both super fit. When I look at pictures of Brad, he's like, oh, we were like, doing so much work all the time. So having our whole life just collapse and having to move across the country just to keep our MS patients. And I have people that I've been working with for years that are like dependent on my medicine. And um, I can't just stop and like, I'm a big enough activist as it is. So I had to keep going. So I'm here in Maine. And that's it. You are now in business with your partner, Brett. And yes. when did, how did you meet Brett? And was he with you in California? Or did, did you oh, yes. I met Brett. Dude, this is so classic. I met Brett. Where did I meet Brett? Oh, yeah. I met Brett in Pennsylvania when he came to my house with my Santa Cruz. Like, I was living in... Um, in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Got a beautiful house, folks. I've been to that house. So, we yeah. did some cooking with some Cresco oil there. It was amazing. I was living in a fat ass mansion, and Brett came over with my friend G. God rest his soul. Karma's a bitch. He came over with G. Well, my friends in California found out that he and G were at my house, and they flew out and had a meeting, being like, "You're not allowed to talk to him." Blah blah blah. So the thing is, is that I never would work with G because I knew him from Santa Cruz and he's just my friend. And he was, he was a bad guy. Like he did drugs. I don't, 
just bad enough dealing with stone people. Like I have no desire to work with people that do drugs. Like I got no time for this. Like I like people with kids and families and private school bills. That's who I like to work with. The momsies, adsies, not the, I'm a party looking for a place to happen. I call it a toe tag looking for a place to happen. <laughs> the way a lot of people act. Um, Especially when you get I, into the pharmaceutical industry, which leads to the heroin, a lot of toe tag waiting to happen. So, which is part of what we're doing. Well, but I, okay, real quick on that thing. If there's anybody out there that makes $80,000 a year legally, I have a really special person, friend. We video chat all the time. And he is, he worked for, he's 26 years old. He worked for the United States as a translator. He was six years old when the Taliban got put out. He's like hiding in Kabul in a closet. They're going to cut his throat. He needs to get sponsored and brought here. And I don't, I need someone to sponsor him. So on that hand, Anybody that makes 80 grand legally, I will give you weed the rest of your life if you help me get him out of there. It's, he's going to be killed. Anyway, I'm on another hand, my mimosa smells so good. I wish that is a, that, <laughs> mimosa is a typically sativa, hybrid sativa strain. My beautiful wife, Kelly Williams, she actually has some mimosa at the moment as well. So that's a very good strain. And yeah, I grew a lot of it, even though I marked it as cheese and I thought I grew a bunch of cheese and it started to flower. And it was, I know the mimosa because I grow mimosa. I was like, yeah. I mislabeled it. So I ended up with no cheese and twice the mimosa. And it was my best plant. Yeah. So, so what? Let's go into some of the things. So what kind of strands? Because we, we do have a monster, monster following when it terms to marijuana. This podcast, Marijuana, is going to be at the forefront in the legalities. We are warriors in this cannabis battle. We know this. Um, what are some of the strains for our real favorite, favorite fans, guys like Devin out there? What are some of your favorite strains that you curate and grow in your at uh, at Old School Farms? Well, I have my own strain, which is Old School Farms, which I made with my teacher's strain that he grew for 47 years, breeding it back on itself. And it's called Purple Stemmed Hummingbird. And then I mixed it with my friend and fellow grower up here in Northern Maine, Jim Lewis, Cinder Ridge Farm. He has a strain, Down East Diesel, that I grew here my first year. It was huge, beautiful. My strain was huge and beautiful from my teacher, Purple Stemmed Hummingbird. So the California stuff had never been wet. The main stuff was just so wild and big and huge and beautiful. So I made seeds of that. And I am calling it old school farms because it's my best California strain mixed with the best main strain I ever saw by a million times. So that's old school farms. And last year I grew that um, and I grew 85 of one plant so that I could fill all my tubs and I still have and make the FICO so that like all my gummies and everything that you get from me, that's medicine like this or the salves, these are all made with my strain, old school farms, and it's always exactly the same because it's the exact same plant. So you know what you're getting. It's not, um, I just make gummies with whatever, because this year I grew 15 strains, 
10 I'm sharing five there was just like one plant or whatever and I'm just I learned my lesson last year growing all I grew was the mimosa and old school farms and I'm sick of them yeah I grew 15 strains and uh like I have banana kush right here this is my favorite of my cannabis this year this is girl scout cookie gsc very popular it smells like heaven. I can't even tell you. I'm in love with the Girl Scout cookie this year. I'm doing that in the mimosa, in the I-95 cup. Oh, man. Girl Scout cookies is one of my favorite. I remember actually first time ever buying legal marijuana in my life out in Colorado, 2015. And I absolutely love Girl Scout cookies. Went absolutely crazy with it. Still get it as much as I can out here. Birthday cake is another one I love. You, you- yeah, We have that. Yeah, I know you do. We mentioned that. California weed. Yeah, this year, that's another thing, is that there was a huge flood of cannabis right now in this United States. The Oregon hemp farmers grew weed. The Mexican cartels grew weed. The um, legal growers are backdooring a huge amount of their cannabis to pay their bills. Um, so literally, a box of cannabis, 100 pounds, the going rate would usually be a hundred thousand, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get hundred pounds, right? Forty thousand. California weed, you can go buy it for four hundred a pound. In like they have destroyed the market. It is everything is changing really fast right now. But right now, weed is so cheap that like. If I was anybody, I would just go to California with all my savings and buy cannabis and go home with it. <laughs> <laughs> it will not stay like this. It's the exact same thing I used to do. I used to buy nickel bags up in Newark, New Jersey, and then come back and sell them for dime bags over at my high school. Same exact shit. What a good boy. I'm such a good boy. I, I got your weed. I got your weed. I got your weed. No, who wants my weed, son? Big shout out to a very good friend of our show. Uh, our boy Kyle, Kyle Capone, he actually was in the car with me. And he would, it was actually his cousin that took me. And he actually is a contributor to the show very often when we talk about uh, black people getting shot, which is always fun. Oh, talking black people getting shot. Blood on the razor wire is Chad Mark's book. And his YouTube channel is Blood on the Razor Wire TV. And he's from Rochester and he's trying to save children from premature death and life imprisonment. So he's awesome. So check out Blood on the Razor Wire TV because we're working really hard and he gets people out of prison every day. He's classic. I promise you'll love it. We were going to have links to that in the comment section. We're going to have links to it on our Spotify. So please check him out. And when we talk about that kind of situation that's what we are we are warriors in this battle to get cannabis free i live in pennsylvania it is still very much on lockdown and guy like chad marks is what we need powerful people making a difference dude he but he got out of prison on june 25th last year he was it was one year this year so 2020 he got out june 25th we got in contact within the first day he said hillary you're a witch. My friend, Jimmy Romans, he had life down to 40 years for cannabis. He said, we have to get him out. Chad Marks wrote Jimmy Romans 
compassionate release, got his paperwork, did all the, so many Weldon Angelos. Alice, Alice Johnson brought his name up to Trump. And on June, 9, June 19th, Donald Trump gave our boy Jimmy Romans, released him. He walked out January 20th of this year. He had life for cannabis. Now he's free at home. Jimmy Romans put his link. He's the man, the myth, the legend, red dog, all about it. And Chad did it. Chad wrote the motion. And so, so, and by the way, I don't want to give him credit, but Donald Trump gave him the pardon. Yeah, Donald Trump released him from prison out the next day. Look at that. See that? You can make a difference, folks. So, and so Chad Marks, check that out. We're going to include everything. We're going to get all and these I'm links for it. This has you, been incredible. I'm going to send you a video of uh, Jimmy Roman's rapping with me. He made up a... I love him. I went visited him. I'm like trying to plan my visit for after Thanksgiving right now. Like I'm so happy with Chad for getting Jimmy out. And he's having twins any minute. Boys. We love that. That is amazing. Such good stuff. When we come back, folks, we are going to talk to Hillary about some of the changes that she is making in the world right now. We are here with philanthropist, activist, and medical marijuana mama, Hillary Clarkson. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, this is Silicon Steve Alley, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the Silicon Steve Alley Show, and I want to thank you all for listening to the medical marijuana mama, Hillary Clarkson, as she talks about her journey in helping people with one of the greatest gifts God has given us or the universe, or I don't know what to say if you're an atheist to the earth, I guess. Anyways, I want to thank Hillary for coming on today, but we wanted to thank another brother in arms in this fight against the war on marijuana. We want to thank Chad Marks, and we want to thank him for his amazing book, Blood on the Razor Wire. Guys, there's 70 ratings. There's not one thing below a five. This is five star all the way through. Blood on the Razor Wire is one man's journey through the violent federal prison system in the United States. You can pick it up. It's about the 24-year-old Chad Marks. And by the way, Chad Marks, folks, as we've heard, is now an attorney and is getting people out of jail all the time. And he has been such a valuable warrior in this fight. And we take it back to when he was 24 years old. Chad Marks was sentenced to 40 years in federal prison for a non-violent drug crime. And look, he was sent to one of the worst, not the worst prison in the United States. And you can just imagine how bad that would have been. And this book takes you on that journey and how he went from disappointment, hope, fear, desperation, and all the emotions in between fighting the good fight. And now he's made it his personal journey to help other people do that. So please check out Blood on the Razor Wire by by attorney, lawyer, and brother against the war on marijuana. It's Blood on the Razor Wire by Chad Marks. Check it out on Amazon.com. And we're back with medical marijuana mama Hillary Clarkson. So you're trying to help people with cancer. You've, you've talked about that extensively throughout this interview. So my question to you right now, there's a couple of things that are really near and dear to your heart. Pray for Gray. Tell everybody what this is about. Well, there are a lot of children that get diagnosed with cancer, especially brain cancer. And we have seen over and over how well cannabis treats these things. So basically what we're trying to do is we are trying to make sure that when child gets a diagnosis of cancer. Remember, these parents are not educated. They do not know anything. They have not spent their lives working on childhood cancer. So they are hit with a brick. So what we would like to do is we would like to come in at like on diagnosis, upon diagnosis, so that 
anybody that's diagnosed, they are educated and given medicine right away and tincture. During the whole diagnosis, I've had patients that use my medicine for the five weeks between diagnosis and surgery, and they see extreme, extreme tumor shrinkage in five weeks doing the full work that it takes to use the cannabis, do the lemon water, use it topically, use it internally, really hit it, so to speak. And we see great results. So we're just trying to make sure that we're getting the best possible care and that children are not dying because of reefer madness. Okay. And we have here, there's another little boy. His name is Onyx Redmond and his parents are here in Biddeford and he's been at Boston Children's and he got ATRT this winter past. And he just had the best review. And this is a highly aggressive, deadly cancer of the brain, stem and spine. He is doing better than they can't believe his growth. He's been on cannabis the day he got it. She's a deadhead. So the day she got this diagnosis, they're at the hospital. We, she wrote on the Facebook, I, my baby, I'm like, these are beautiful hippies. My beautiful baby Onyx has this ATRT, like horrible cancer. So we literally got in our car and drove to Boston and delivered them a huge bag of this medicine for her to get on right away because she was still breastfeeding. And we, since then, she has been working with the top doctors. She is using incredibly lab-tested cannabis and CBD from the top labs and um, doctors here in the country. And he gets it through his port. And Yesterday, he was at Boston Children, and they're blown away by his development, by his, he does not have cancer. He is a miracle. They're like, he's a miracle. Well, thank goodness, but every child deserves that opportunity to have that medicine when we are seeing such great results. So um, Morgan Redman, his mom, She's starting a nonprofit and that and I'm going to work with her so that when anybody in the state of Maine is diagnosed with uh, childhood cancer, somebody from our organization comes in and donates everything to them, gives them printouts, information, how to take it and like a FaceTime person like myself so I can literally teach them, especially with COVID now and immune systems. It's great. We can just go on here. I can teach them how to do it. I can be present so they don't feel so alone because these parents, it's so scary, you know? So anyway, we're going to try to do that. And um, we're going to speak at the High 95 Cup this year in December, put on by a wonderful man, Josh Gates. And we're going to let the organic farmers in Maine and the labs who are all present at the High 95 Cup because it's our you know, respected cannabis cup here in Maine. Um, let everybody know what we're doing and ask, you know, to donate. And so what we're trying to put together here is that the organic farms in Maine donate cannabis. My professional Brett, who makes the medicine, makes the medicine. And then the labs donate the testing so that we have, you know, and then we donate it to anybody who gets a cancer diagnosis in the state of Maine, but we'll start with pediatric 
answer. And honestly, what you're doing, and we talked about chat earlier, what you guys are doing is just incredible. It really is. And it's one of the most beautiful things that, hey, look, this marijuana thing, we're a community and we know what this plant does. So what you and I, I'm, I'm excited, actually, I'm, I'm very excited to kind of really get more into what Chad's doing. Because those are the kind of things, folks, you know, we can talk about things on, on the Internet all we want. We can go on Facebook. We can do all these things. That doesn't do anything. You got to do is you got to be where the rubber meets the road. And Hillary Clarkson, you have been where the rubber meets the road for, you know, since you were a young lady. So that's pretty incredible that your journey has led you here. Uh, I want to get into Bray's Law and how people can help you. And there is a change.org website that we can go on. Tell me everything you're working here. We're almost at 25,000. And it's almost... You know, it's so much on these parents because that's their baby. So kind of like Gray has an army behind her because really her family has four children and a family and a child that needs extra care. So in reality, other people, as much as they're doing, they need to take care of their family. So kind of other people have to come in and carry and be like, come on, we need the signatures. We need to just make a point so that at St. Jude's, it's something that when people come in with children with cancer, it's offered to the children, really the parents too. I mean, I always tell the parents, when you start off the children, you should take it as well. You should sit, you know, understand it. It's, and it's also, there isn't a parent that doesn't have extreme anxiety and depression when they have a cancer diagnosis for their child. So I'm seeing unbelievable results with these gummies. So this is like 12 gummies. That's enough for almost half a month. And a lot of these moms, you can just cut it in half. Boop, right? So this could last almost a month. And these moms, they get good sleep. And dads. I mean, dads need sleep too, but it's but I'm hearing more of women with sleep issues than men, or maybe men don't communicate. I don't know, but we're having great results with sleeping and depression and anxiety. So we would just like to know that the children are given the best options. And when we see tumors shrinking for long periods of time on children that they said would be dead in 90 days, we just wanna give other children that opportunity. And so we're pretty much saying, please sign this. Please do something, you know, do something, whatever it is. Even if it's make a healthy dinner for your family so they don't get cancer. There's a lot of things. And I'll tell you what, this is where it's very important to make sure these people have their option. You have this option when you are in the hospital, when you're, you're, you're down with cancer. A lot of times, if they were raised with marijuana as a gateway drug, it's terrible. It's just like heroin, which a lot of people still, then you're where you're running into trouble. But I, you have to point out, why is why is this message still being sought out? Well, we know pharmaceutical industry, the alcohol industry, and the tobacco industry are literally spending millions and millions of dollars to make sure people still think marijuana is the devil. When it's the farthest thing from. And you can go all over the internet. There are literally thousands, tens of thousands of stories of cannabis and marijuana medicine making people's lives better. One story, we're going to have a, a guest on, Anthony Ravello. He's been on television, major leader in his community. He has cancer. They gave him six months to live as a statistic. He has been taking, and I gave him RSO, and I also gave him some... RSO is an outdated term. It's not, this is what you're talking about. It's FECO, full extra. 
cannabis oil. RSO is like a brand and it's made with rubbing alcohol. So you want to call it always FICO because we want to educate because that's what it is. Full extract cannabis oil. It's not Rick Simpson oil because we make ours with organic extractahol and it's all organic. He literally in his recipe uses rubbing alcohol. So it's still like we love him. He is a pioneer. He is my hero. I'm so grateful to him. I am in no way belittling him, but we've moved way past RSO. That was a, it's just an outdated term. By the way, folks, that is a great example of Pennsylvania being about 20 years behind everybody because Pennsylvania uses that term in the dispensaries. FICO, I never heard of FICO until this conversation. So we're going to have lists of FICO. I swear to God, you go into a Pennsylvania dispensary, it's RSO still. So it's interesting. And you know what? That's a great point you bring up. So Pennsylvania, by the way. Do they have lab testing? Yeah, they have. Yeah, they got lab testing. They have everything that's needed. In fact, you can only, only Pennsylvania marijuana can only be sold by Pennsylvania manufacturers. They cannot import anything out of state. I like that. I think that's terrific. What about this? How much? Now, this is a gram. I've heard now. Don't think I've I've only been to a dispensary one time, and that was because I was in Colorado with Chad Marks, and he wanted to go there. <laughs> and it was really cool because Covariant Cooper, he had he's 40 tons brand. He had 40 years or something ridiculous sentence and they got him out. And um, he was on the bag of the weed that we bought there. So I've only been to a dispensary once in my life. And it was because Chad wanted to go there and buy a bag with Covarian's picture. But how much is a gram of FICO in Pennsylvania? A gram, a full gram, you're looking probably about a hundred bucks between a hundred and 120. Right. That's what I've been told that sometimes they sell at half grams. That's what they do. Yeah. For 50 or 65. Exactly. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so our, like our FICO, we donate it. But if somebody asks us, what is like, what does it cost us to grow all the cannabis? The extractahol is very expensive that it's made with and the machines and the time. Like they ask, what is our cost on this, right? So if they wanted to make a donation and the most I've ever given as a cost on this is $25 a syringe is what it costs. Because if I buy a pound of cannabis and make it, I get about 70 syringes out of a pound. So anyway, I think it's disgusting that something that is so needed and costs $25 that the markup, you know, a lot of places do a 50%, 100% markup. So if they buy it from me, not that I sell it to dispensaries because I never have, but if they buy this for me, I always have a lighter in my hand. It's like a bad habit, but it's not bad. Whatever. I sleep with, I wake up sometimes with my lighter in my hand. I'm like, oh, <laughs> look at my sticker. That's why I don't go to dispensaries and I'm against dispensaries and I'm 100% supporting the legacy farmers is because they, this costs $25. So why would they get $125 for it? It's real medicine. That is so much money. You, you know, so 
to do, let's say somebody came to me and they want to do a full round of cancer treatment. We also treat Lyme the same way as we do cancer with the 60 grams in 90 days. So if they come to me and they want 60 grams of this, okay, it's a, it's expensive to make that much and it takes a lot of time. It is hard to get it into the one gram syringe. It's a lot of work to make this, okay? And um, I would charge them if they were going to donate. The full round is $1,500, okay? $1,500. That is something that people can put together and that is a fair price because in reality, I am not rich. And if somebody needs a full cancer treatment, um, $1,500 is a great price. It is $7,000. And you have a hard time buying that much cannabis. Yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So really could not even go into the dispensary and buy your cancer treatment and feel secure. Like I'm doing this. I'm doing a gram a day. I'm going to, you know, get rid of this Lyme's disease. That's giving me heart issues. I have people having heart attacks from Lyme disease. Like they literally have to treat as if they have cancer and they can't go in and buy that much, boom, they're not going to sell you 60 grams of anything. So it's just annoying to me that people, even with the dispensaries and the legalization, they're still putting it kind of out of reach. You know, $1,500 is a car tune-up and a brake job. $7,000 is a new car. Like, not everybody that, especially, you know, when people are sick, they don't just all of a sudden have cancer. Usually you're sick and you don't realize it. You know, so a lot of people, by the time they're actually diagnosed and going through cancer, have no money. They're broke. They're unemployed. They're like already a pain in the ass to everybody, including themselves, especially because they're frustrated. Hold on. My dog is chewing my floor. Let's get a look at your dog, by the way. She has a new puppy, ladies and gentlemen. What is this puppy's name? Look at that pretty girl. She's in trouble, really. So that's my trim bin. That's That's my bong. (laughs) That's my cute house. That is gorgeous. Well, and I love. Uh, well, you have really curated an amazing legacy in your time. Everything you've done for, for the last couple, three, two, two, three decades is an inspiration. And how? What's one more time? It's old school farms. Where's the petition? What? Where can we find the petition? The for to get. You'll post it. will be great. Change.org. And TJ, I'll send you pictures of me and you at festivals. Remember when all those people in Pennsylvania thought they put on great festivals, but really there was like 80 of them and they just fought with each other. So I was like, I'm going to put on a festival by myself. And I got like 35 bands to play for free, including TJ motherfucking daddy. That's right. And I don't know who he is. I heard he's an asshole. Oh, wait, let me just tell you one other thing. So. The reason I did that is I found these kids, this kid, AJ Gilman. Amazing he guy. Was in, listen to this. I just saw him. I just have to tell you this quick story. Oh, so it. when I lived in Pennsylvania, I had a store. It was a front called Off the Hook, right? Look, this is the logo right here. I think I have a, I'm pretty certain I bought a hula hoop from there once. Yeah, yeah, for your daughter. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I would have music outside my store on Friday nights. So I met these kids in high school and I said, you know, you guys want to play music? 
in front of my store. And they came in the kid AJ that day, he played guitar and I was blown away by him. And I said, dude, you're awesome. Put a band together. And they made a band and they called it blend mode. Right. So AJ was in this band. AJ, I would tell him, I'd say, AJ, dude, you're going to make it. You are talented. Dude, this kid, I think he's the best drummer I've ever heard. I fucking love this kid's drumming. Okay. He had a Disco Biscuits tattoo on his arm the whole time, obsessed with the Disco Biscuits. And like, I love the Disco Biscuits, the Hammerstein Ballroom, New York. I love Disco Biscuits. My cousin Jefferson used to sit in with them. Like, they're old school family Disco Biscuits. That's Jefferson love. Waffle, by the way, former light man for Humphreys McGee, by the way. That's your cousin Jefferson. Yeah. He loved Disco Biscuits long before he ever came to New York or Boston or whatever. But Mark Brownstein, Disco Biscuits, A.J. Gilman, this kid killed it. We got him all the way, his little high school band. I had his parents come in at gigs. They were all underage, all the way to Sullivan Hall, to my friend Adam Harris. A.J., I always told him, dude, you are going to make it. You're the real deal. So then he moved to Colorado, got into a band called Greener Grounds. And I have the hat somewhere. I have a hat. I have a Greener Grounds hat. Absolutely. They came to California and they all camped at my house and tripped out and helped on our farm. Like they all, the Greener Ground guys, we got to know them. And dude, I'm AJ Gilman's biggest fan. So anyway. Me too. Me too. He's 29 years old. Last week, I'm in Colorado at the beer line for Primus at the Mission Ballroom and this gorgeous, handsome, fit man turns around and it's A.J. Gilman. And he tells me, oh, I'm the drum tech for Disco Biscuits. You can come to New York and Philly. Like, dude, he's going to be the next drummer. He, How long can he be the tech when he's the best drummer in the world? Oh, he's on his way. He's on his way. And I knew that about him. (laughs) I have videos, first shows. I am the biggest fan, dude. I'm so proud of him just for killing it and getting married and putting his energy into being successful and not, uh, you know. Stay within that box. You know, you get, you know, a lot of the people in your life, they are awesome and we love them so much, but they do keep you in a box. This is, this is the limit. Sometimes when with people you love, and if you don't break out of that box, you kind of stay. And and AJ went out and made his dreams come true. I yeah. saw Greener Grounds in New York City the day oh. I got a tattoo right here, bought a hat, and uh, it, it's great to see AJ Gilman have the kind of success he's having. Wanna- but uh, Hillary, want to thank you so much for coming on, being one of our very first episodes here on the Silicon Steve Valley Show. And I just want to thank you for your service to this industry and everything you've done and continue to do. I love you too. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's honestly been the easiest interview I've ever conducted in my life. You should have your own show and maybe we'll make that happen as well. And you're gorgeous. And I thank you for everything you've brought to the table today. And uh, again, you can, when can, where can we check out old school farms? Oldschoolfarms.com is a good spot. <laughs> and they're also on Facebook and all those places. Uh, we also, oh, yeah. and go to change.org and the, and Gray's law. Try to get this, get the word out. Make sure people know they have options that can save their fucking lives and not put pharmaceuticals into their body. Yeah. 50 and gorgeous. I love it. Jerry Garcia. Thank you so much, Hillary Clarkson. You are beautiful. Thank you so much. And we will have you back on again. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Love you. Love you.
Hillary Clarkson, absolutely one of the most amazing people I've had the pleasure to call a friend in my life. And she's amazing. You can check all her stuff out. Links are attached to the Spotify description and the YouTube page. So please check it out. And please like and subscribe if you like what you heard or if you're down to make the world a better place and celebrating these five values. Folks, this is a song I wrote. This is called Just Like You. This is a song about the division that's happened within our country and the division that's happening still to this day by all sorts of media, and it's something that we can grow from. So this is an opportunity to kind of shed a little light on how the media has manipulated us and how we've taken a big part. And I'm going to be playing this on mandolin, which I just... It's kind of cool. I checked out my Facebook and Twitter. There's more crowded opinions in Everyone's kinks. And nobody changes their minds. And we stand on the wall and act righteous. Let's see from our perspectives. We forget there's a person behind the profile. Who's hurting just like you? So we got one channel tells me I'm crazy. Another channel tells me I'm true. But they're both making billions to divide us. And we just play along with the two. They prey on the passionate and the angry. And they prey on the all-peace. It would just be nice if they were just fucking honest. Because it was the one they were supposed to do. It all be conquered. Conquered by love. What color you vote never matter. Were you kind no matter the score? Because we've got a lot of things to conquer. And I don't want to worry anymore. So call on out to your brother. Call to your sister too. Call to the ones your heart misses most. Cause they're hurting just like you. Yes, they're hurting just like you. Hurting just like you. Thank you so much for listening to the Silicon Steve Alley Show. I'm going to go masturbate to feet. Here end of the lesson. We'll talk to you soon.